Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Life is full of awesome what-ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. And welcome to the AEW Rampage preview. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by one of the Dadly Boys, Michael Sidgwick from What Culture, to look ahead to tonight's episode of AEW Rampage. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts, where we not only review AEW Rampage, but also AEW Dynamite, Raw, SmackDown, NXT, Dubai, oh, pay-per-views, premium live events. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a round of the week complete. We'll be a quiz, of course, on wrestle culture. As I said, though, joined by Michael Sidgwick, and this is Rampage, baby. <laughs> um, it's a weird thing to preview this, not not specifically this week, but this period right now, because this, you know, start time, what's great for us viewers here in the UK, decimates the viewership even more so than basketball or hockey or whatever it is. And arguably that's getting a little bit reflected. I still think they've put on, you know, a hell of a one-hour show here, but it's it's a it's an interesting dynamic with the pay-per-view coming up in, what, the end of the month? Yeah. In terms of priorities, like Dynamite is always stacked. And this has got, you know, a title match. It's got the Owen Hart tournament, all stuff like that. But it's, it's, a, it's a strange period, isn't it, for AEW right now? Yeah, it is. That you're talking around and being very polite about the fact that this card is absolutely incredibly phoned in. Yes. It's incredibly phoned in. There's absolutely nothing screaming out as must-see. There's no, like, huge match. There's no huge huge star in a huge match. It looks like a nice serviceable hour of television, one that it's virtually impossible unless you're absolutely in the weeds, one of these ardent, ultra, everything this company does is amazing, guys. Uh, if I miss this, and I won't, I'm going to watch it as part of my in my professional capacity. Like it's very, very inessential. It very much screams to me we are going to get absolutely annihilated in a bloodbath potential record low in the ratings. Because it was like two hundred thousand something, but it was like three PM in the afternoon in the US. Not to make excuses for them, but yeah, they know they're going to get killed. They know they are going to get absolutely murdered, and this is very much a card that suggests that they are throwing in the towel for this particular week. Should they have, like, I'm not going to say, should they have given up on it? But in terms of, I suppose they can't not put anything on, but... Uh, theoretically, there's a title match and there's a tournament match. Yes. There, are, yeah, yeah, yeah. there are stakes. There's at least one match that I've not checked the spoilers. I don't do nope. spoiler checks um, to enhance my viewing experience of the show. So there's one match that um, is pretty unpredictable, and I think the ceiling for it is reasonably high. Yes. And we'll get to it imminently. But, look, it's one of those things where I don't really care. I don't like the idea, necessarily, of AEW just doing content for content's sake and not giving you 
enough of a valid reason to watch the show. But by the same token, they are overcompensating on these Dynamite shows, especially yes. um, this week and next, which look ridiculous. Um, this week's Dynamite was an all-timer. Um, I don't even know what half the show is. It's so intriguing. It's either, like Next week's Dynamite is either incredibly intriguing with two debutantes, a Kyle O'Reilly and Ray Phoenix dream match. Like, there's loads to it. And Rampage is... It feels like they know that Rampage is going to die a week. So let's get all the 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 numbers potentially or as many viewers as possible and all the praise and all the buzz and all the acclaim on Wednesday. So it's very unevenly weighted. Yeah. Um, between well, it's be a strange thing to go and see as well because, like... You sit through, you have Dark and Dark Elevation. Yeah. I don't know. Which one do they film it's in? It's Dark Elevation, Thank you. then Dynamite, then Rampage. Um, so they do all that. It's like they do the Dynamite. You splash some cold water on your face after, like you say, last. Sorry, this week, next week. The fourth, this road to, uh, to Double or Nothing is going to be bonkers, basically. And then, like, if I'm sure if you went, you had that. This, which was, um, again, damning with faint praise. I'm sure we'll talk about it on Monday. Another brilliant 7 out of 10 that absolutely flew by. And then you got sent home with Hulk choking out CM Punk in a dark segment, not AW Dark. Um, so you probably left this and went, what a fantastic series of shows. And yet, this, this does just feel like it's just, uh, there you go. If you want to watch it, it's there. But we also know... Some people won't be home. They'll be literally still at work. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure, you know, avid fans, like you say, will catch up on it, but it's certainly not essential viewing. Not at all. And just to build on the point you've made about um, the fact that this is obviously getting taped and the last thing that these fans watch, like the problem, an additional problem to this this NBA preemption deal is that, right, okay, we'll load up Dynamite so that our fan base can be absolutely buzzing with what's happened this week in Rampages. You know, an inessential, but hopefully pretty damn good um, accompaniment to your AEW experience of the week. The issue with making this Dynamite so awesome and so stacked is that the inherent problem with Rampage, which it more often than not plays out to an exhausted crowd that tries to be polite, but the physical body can only do so much, is that the the issue of an exhausted crowd is going to be even more pronounced. Yeah, They've got more exciting stuff to be exhausted by and minimal, pretty good stuff that, right, okay, this looks great, I'll try and get up for that. And yeah. there's, yeah, I'm expecting this to be dead. I'm kind of expecting this to be sort of flooded with cheap, um, like, video game arena effects. I'm not looking forward to the show, if I'm being honest, but hopefully it's nice when it happens. Yeah, I sense that uh, on Monday, when we review this, we'll be pleasantly surprised by this. Especially That's I've got literally zero expectations. Yes, but we have uh, an exciting match that we're going to start talking about in the uh, Owen Hart tournament. Riho, one of your favourites, of course, yes. against Ruby Soho. Um, intrigued by this one. I'm intrigued by this one. I, I've not read a single spoiler. Um, it's kind of a head-heart deal where my heart says Riho... Um, but my head says Ruby Soho, um, purely because like Ruby Soho appears more on television. Um, she's always sort of linked to Hater and Britt Baker. And the idea is that Ruby Soho came in as a big deal. And she's kind of, if you want to be generous about it, this might be headcanon at this point. But I think the story they are trying to tell with Ruby Soho long term um, is kind of an underdog WWE Daniel Bryan, Sami Zayn deal where she keeps losing big matches, loses more big matches, gets out of the mix, and one day she can... The idea is that she shows enough of these matches to retain fan support so that when she actually wins the big one, it'll resonate as this big, hard-earned triumph that the fans were with her all the way. 
that's only ever really evident for me on paper. I don't think the fans are with her. I haven't seen a really... L- I was really impressed by the tag team match on Dynamite, uh, on Rampage rather, last week. But that was the first time in ages where I really felt like Ruby Soho was a valuable asset to the company. Mm. And she was like, she had a, a, an audience on side. Nonetheless, given her profile and how much they've booked her last year more so than this, I feel like she might go over here. I don't think that's a good idea in terms of the quality of the tournament going forward or, in fact, um, who they should be building. Um, Riho, and bear in mind she had a split schedule, so she wasn't there every week, and there was obviously much discourse about that as there is everything else. She wasn't an ever-present in the... First chapter of AEW Dynamite's history where she was the um, the AEW Women's Champion. But she was like an early standout draw that I think Dave Meltzer expressed um, shock and surprise by. But she really had something mm. um, that sort of the online reception didn't really sort of reflect um, her popularity in demos. And obviously that's tapered off because she's barely around and, you know, she's not the champion, she's not as profiled. But she's definitely someone that fans have always connected mm. with and she was a really shockingly successful demo draw. I think she's the better worker. Um, I think Ruby Soho's got more great work in her than AEW fans um, haven't yet seen. But for me, Riho's got the ability to get it done mm. in the context of AEW. I'd like to see her advance. I think that the ceiling for this match quality-wise is really high. Um, what I like about it is that it's an all-baby face encounter, which they don't tend to do mm. on um, Dynamite in general because, as I've said before a million times, it's episodic to a fault. Um, we don't really get to see sort of like friendly exhibitions, if you like, but I expect this to start on that note. And then deeper into the match, they'll realize how much of a competition it is, and then it'll get a bit more fierce, it'll get a little bit more physical. Um, it'll, structurally, I think it'll be a little bit, not identical, like identical in structure, but the moves will obviously be different to um, Riho versus Yuka Sakazaki last week, where it gets a little bit more intense and they realize we're in a fight and there's stakes at play. My only concern is that Ruby Soho is going over, which, frankly, I don't want to see because I subjectively prefer Riho. Yeah. But if, in fact, Ruby Soho goes over, there are devices that bookers and agents use to get the um, the loser over and defeat. And Ruby Soho has got the most cringeworthy, shocked kick-out face in all of creation, <laughs> worse than anything I've ever seen on NXT. And think of the ground that covers. And if the idea is, right, okay, let's give Riho something. Let's give her a... Um, let's have a kick out of um, what was the old kick that Ruby Soho? She's kind of abandoned it now. Not the riot kick, something like that. It's the terrible kick that she, she now does. Sister Abigail slash um, Blade Runner is a finish because she's realised the kick she used to do. The one out of the corner. Yeah, the one yeah. in the corner just looked rubbish. So my worry is that she can now use that as a signature, and Rio can kick out of it to give her something to give her credibility for the next thing she does, which unfortunately might be in. Four months, no yeah. AEW, and that Ruby Soho is going to do an absolutely cringeworthy shock out, kick out face again because she's really, really good, but she needs to get the WWE out of her system. I agree, yeah, I, and I think you're right in terms of this is probably a coin flip. It's uh, Riho versus Ruby Soho, uh, and the winner will face spoiler alert, uh, Red Velvet or Chris Statlander, who's replaced the uh, injured Hikaru Shida. We wish her well, of course, in her recovery. But I think you and I would probably both agree that we think that the winner of the is it Shida in Japan? I don't know. She's, I, I don't know. It's all a bit weird, this. Yeah, but I think the winner of this tournament is coming from the other side of the bracket. It's Tony Certainly. Storm, Britt Baker, or who's Britt Baker facing? The Joker, baby. <laughs> I'm the Joker, baby. <laughs> so I think it almost, not that it doesn't matter, but like 
you could make an argument for either Belleville yeah. or, or Statlander. No, 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 that Statlander, Statlander. Statlander. I just got, love the baddies. I like the baddies a great deal, and I think Red Velvet has got such a great presence about her, such a great face where it worked as a baby face for fire, and it works as a heel for, like, proper aggression and attitude. Um, but Statlander's the far better worker. I want far better workers working, better workers in this AEW division, women's division, as I've said for quite some time at this point. And Statlander has previous with Riho and Ruby Soho. Oh, yeah. It was the Statlander-Ruby Soho match where we saw the shot kick out face, which mm-hmm. kind of ruined it because they were working really hard, dropping each other on their heads, like a proper good scrap. Um, but the only takeaway was that face. And Statlander and Riho had a match, if you recall right, you know how like the, the narrative is, and you can obviously get the correct narrative by going on Amazon and buying Becoming All Elite, <laughs> yes. The Rise of AEW, where I capture all of this. My favorite chapter to write was the um, early 2022 Revolution 2020 pre-pandemic, because it was just my favorite yeah. to this day period in AEW. But it wasn't quite every single show was a 10 out of 10, because Startlander and Riho had a match that everyone was buzzing about, because it was like two complimentary opponents. You don't want mirror matches. You want opponents with a contrast that can complement one another. Power versus speed and agility. It was going to be awesome. And then Luther debuted. Oh, for... Yeah, and I think it was the January 8th or the January 15th, but potentially the January the 8th, 2020 Dynamite because they're just in that home run homecoming where I was like, right, okay, we fixed it somehow after December 18. That was amazing. <laughs> Here we go. Women's wrestling's great now. And then it's, oh, Luther and the Nightmare Collectives are still a thing. And yeah. So I want to see that match revisited because they've got so much mm, more to play with than shout. they were allowed to do then. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Ready to pop the question and take advantage of 30% off? The jewelers at bluenile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com to get 30% off. Select lab-grown diamonds. That's BlueNile.com for 30% off lab-grown diamonds. BlueNile.com. We mentioned uh, Red Velvet and the the baddies there and Jade Cargill. They are being given a platform to say something tonight. Um, hard to see where you go next with with Jake. I mean, they're doing wonderful stuff, whatever they do. I think it's a, a fantastic move. It's seemingly trending towards eventually a Jake Cargill babyface turn. But in terms of, yeah, this streak continuing, I don't know who's next or what's next for, for Cargill and the baddies. Yeah, it's, again, like not to just completely bury the women's division, but like, they don't half earn it most of the time. It's that because um, Thunder Rosa and Serena Deeb is happening, um, because a lot of the other female talent um, is occupied in the own heart tournament, it's enough that they do two th- 
concurrent things with women in this <laughs> yes. promotion, let alone a third. So the TBS title... doubled the output. Yeah, so like tripling. Ah, come on, I'm <laughs> not doing that. So it just feels like the, T- the TBS title is on the back burner. So and I don't yet, think... arguably, one of the most prestigious titles that they've got right now. Yeah, world okay. t- AW World title, obviously. Yeah. Women's World title is has got a great lineage, but is often forgotten about until it's not again. And we'll talk about the TNT Championship. In oh, a bit. Jesus Christ. Um, yeah. So I don't know what's next for Jade Cargill. Um, they built heavily the, the number 30 thing and the Muna Shafir match, which I thought was a triumph. Like they totally overachieved. So I don't know what's next. And that's because if you go through the process of elimination, they've built so few stars through, again, an apathetic philosophy that if you take away Deeb and Thunder Rosa and you take away all of the entrance in the tournament because they're either going to advance or they've just been beaten in the first round so they're hardly a credible threat. Mm. You're left with knee one. Yeah, I don't know what they're going to say. Maybe, to their credit, maybe it was going to be Statlander because Statlander versus Cargill would be an interesting version of a mirror match, like one of the few ones. Um, And maybe, because they've been quietly building her, which quietly is the emphasized word, (laughs) and maybe they're going to do Statlander-Cargill because Statlander was curious by her absence from this tournament mm. and maybe the fact that they've had to put someone credible against Velvet and there are so few options. They're reaping what they are sowing and as a result, it's hard to deduce mm. what Cargill does next. I mentioned it there. TNT Championship match. Scorpio Sky versus Frankie Kazarian. Uh, another intriguing dynamic because obviously being put up against uh, Sammy Guevara has sort of turned Scorpio Sky babyface, although as you pointed out, I mean, everyone just has a go at Tay Conti now, so who's the real baby face? Yeah. Uh, and then he, of course, now faces former, well, not former, current friend, uh, but former SEU partner, Frankie Kazarian for the TNT Championship. Sammy Guevara's been like, oh, watch your back, he's going to stab you in it, et cetera, et cetera. How do you see this one playing out? Oh, Guevara's clearly going to play some kind of part because this is how they book, and again, episodic to a fault, and they all too often show their hands. I'm expecting, there's no need to protect Kazarian, if anything. Um, Scorpio Sky should have protected him when he was the elite hunter. Yes, absolutely. Um, Scorpio Sky, he had that wonderful two minutes of a very uneven, artless ladder match where it felt like, is it because they hate Guevara so much, or because they actually like Scorpio <laughs> yes. Sky? Anyone will yeah, take it. I'd like to think a bit of it was Scorpio yeah, Sky getting the crowd on side because I was impressed by him in that match and his body language, etc. But like, yeah, he badly just needs a few clean wins. Not only will it help solidify him as a babyface, it'll act as a hint because it's this, it's an insolvable misogynistic puzzle, basically, <laughs> yes. in terms of who's the heel and who's the baby face. Well, they're both calling Tay Conti a slut. Um, one of them is doing it for heat, and one of them is doing it because, hey, what are the lads? She's a right whore, isn't she? She's a right whore, isn't she? Oh, and I hate this so much because the idea is, and I've said it a million times, women can shag whoever they want yes. as long as they consent to it. And the, the stud versus slut yeah. dichotomy has pissed me off for years and years and years. And uh, yeah, I don't need because I don't need Sammy Guevara to interfere. I don't need Sammy Guevara versus Frankie Kazarian match, and that's not a knock on Kazarian. They simply haven't booked him at various points in his AEW and particularly his BTE runs. I've thought Kazarian's been great, mm. but you can't just do now with him. You can't book him to lose to Doc Gallows. Dot dot dot. One year later, TNT title contender. It's just, <laughs> yes, this match I worry is going to be solid, and you know I. I love great wrestling. I'm not an idiot. There's Omega Ricardo 4. There's literally everything else. 
there's some stuff underneath that. We're talking about the tier of greatness. Yeah. And then you go to good, and I'm like, I'm too old for good. <laughs> yes. Too much precious time for good. And then you get to solid, which is my least favorite thing, because I've got time for bad. I've got time for terrible. I've got time for infuriating. I've got no time in my life as a 36-year-old parent of two for solid. And I think this has got solid, well-worked. You know, if you really pay attention to this match and some of the... Uh, we were laughing about this in the office yesterday, you and I, about how often when we're going towards a big pay-per-view, they put people over to then have someone go over them to then establish them as, you know, we're talking about Cole and Bloody Ten and all that. Ten killing, ten yeah. being the original. Ten walked so Wardlow could run yes. by killing all the security guards. It's like, right, okay, well, I'm not... Ten's main event revolution, is he? What's going yes. on? So I think you're right. I think Sammy Guevara interferes. I think regardless, Scorpio Sky retains no matter what happens. Scorpio Sky retains. Sammy Guevara interferes. Sammy Guevara gets the winner of Frankie Kazarian to presumably set up are they, are they doing the mixed tag at double or nothing? I hope not. Oh. Well, they should do it on a special dynamite beforehand because I don't want to see it. Okay. For my exclusive benefit, yeah. don't do it on the paper. But it feels like it's going to be on the paper. Uh, we'll get to this six man in a second because I know you're excited to talk about that. And let's just very rapidly run past Sean Spears versus Bear Boulder. This, what could this be related to? I think this might be Wilborn. Like... Tony Khan's way, I'm being very cynical, but, you know, it's just, it's fine. Because the thing that it's building to is going to be great. Yes. It just, they, Tony Khan's got this kind of habit where it's vaguely insulting, where it's not as insulting as an exposition recap video of literally the thing I saw two minutes ago in WWE. But he's got this slight habit where it's like, Sean Spears can beat someone big? Does that spell trouble for Wardlow? It's like, no, it doesn't at all. Uh. No, it doesn't. The real genius of that Booker maneuver is putting MJF in uh, the the guise of a special referee because there's no chance that I can think of Sean Spears beating Wardlow on his own terms. No. Hence why, because they know this, so they have put um, MJF in the black and white stripes. That's why any of this is happening, right? So why then go to the trouble of wasting time by having Sean Spears beat someone bigger. So it's like, oh, maybe Wardlow doesn't have a chance after all. And it's I like, mean, if there wasn't a referee calling it down the middle. Literally, you know it and I know it. Yeah. That's why MGF's the ref. So this match is literally pointless filler. But, but Sean Spears is such banter that him putting, like, he's got this great eating smug grin on his face. That like if he puts, and when he puts, um, is it Boulder or Bronson? Uh, Bear Boulder. Boulder away, like, he's got such a little good face. I'll never not appreciate Sean Spears being on my TV. Yes. Uh, it's one of those things where you know, there's an argument to be made that Wardlow comes down and interferes, but it's not going to happen. This Look at the, the, look how many other things are happening on this card. They want a five-minute bish-bash-bosh, like you say. Sean Spears can beat a big guy. Maybe there's some involvement from smart Mark Sterling that allows, please, Sean Spears in his white gear with his white chair to twat Bear Boulder over the head with it, basically. But yeah, it's a straightforward victory. But in better news, uh, I've just realised. Do you have this? You must have this. Not with ma- not not a match, but a segment that you like l- deliberately don't watch for say six months to a year, so you can go back and watch it again and enjoy it all again. I'm thinking Mark Henry's retirement speech. I'm thinking there's a perfect example because this is mine. And I've just realised that I've had that sufficient amount of time. Cody Rhodes is ten lashes ahead of yeah. Wardlow's next week. You must have some of those. Yeah, I have this thing where. I try, if I love something, I kind of watch it like three or four times. 
And then because I want to, I can remember every beat in my head and I want to be able to forget everything and miss certain yeah. details. Again, I'm going to go my Twin Peaks bollocks. I was about to say Twin Peaks, I'm going to go my yeah. Twin Peaks bollocks. Like, I watched it, The Return, twice as it aired. One, because I was reviewing it for What Culture. Twice because I wanted to watch it with my wife, who really likes Twin Peaks as well, but I didn't expect her to get up at 1 a.m. Because I was <laughs> yes. never not going to watch it live at US time. And uh, and I watched it again immediately afterwards because I loved it so much. And then probably just again. <laughs> and then I remember watching it because um, my second child was born like pretty much a year afterwards and it had come out on Blu-ray. And I thought, right, okay, they just sleep and do nothing and I'm on paternity leave, right? Draw the curtains because like Lynch works with a lot of black mm. and you can't see any reflections on the screen. There's a lot of nuance within the you black. You can see your tired eyes staring so like, back at you. Yeah, and, and it's April as well. The sun's very annoying in April. So <laughs> I refuse to touch grass. I waited four years, 2018 to 2022. Wow, yeah, you've been talking about And it's so vivid and so unforgettable and so great that I've forgotten literally two scenes. I don't mind because I love it, but I just wish I could forget it. Yeah, one of the few occasions you wish you were me because I've never watched Twin Peaks. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Right, let's talk about this six-man then. Um, Yeah, Sean Spears is going to squash Bear Boulder, basically. Uh, This six-man, Death Triangle versus The Butcher, The Blade, and Mark Quinn. This should be great because you've got a really nice, interesting contrast of characters. But I don't want it to be too great, and that's for a specific book and purpose. Uh I think Butcher, Blade, and the Quen um, are slightly above the Boulders and Fuego, who Death Triangle killed in two minutes in that (laughs) awesome squash. But I'd quite like it to be a two-minute squash in a way for the exact purpose of mirroring these two acts, not in terms of their styles, but in terms of how, like, dominant they are and how quickly they can dispatch. Just a, a bit of parity so that mm. they're the trios match, where, which I expect to happen at double or nothing, has as much unpredictable intrigue as possible. Titles for that? Is that what they're going to bring the titles out, maybe? I need a tournament, man. I need a G1-style round robin, because imagine you've got Kenny Omega's return, and it's like, G1-style, every single show apart from Elevation, every TV show, you get, like, a dream match, um, because it's a round-robin-style tournament. So in my fantasy booking, you have Blackpool Combat Club versus the Elite on Wednesday in the block, and you have Blackpool Combat Club versus Death Triangle on the Rampage, <laughs> so that Brian Danielson works Kenny Omega and Phoenix in the space of 48 hours, but not in a singles match where you think, oh, they're burning through too much good stuff. Yeah. So not for the titles, but this is going to happen. But given that they like the butcher a lot, and they like Private Party, who've kind of dipped off the radar about these things happening in AEW because they did some really good work earlier this year, particularly Cassidy. But I don't expect it to go too long. Um, just some really cool stuff potentially here, like Quinn and Ray Phoenix doing stuff should be pretty tits. The butcher and Park having like a crisp body control versus burly bruiser heavyweight. Like, miserable bastard battle, gruff bastard battle. There's loads of stuff that can play with here, but at the same time, I don't want them to play with it too much. Yeah, I was about to say, I'm, I'm going to be really the sort of anti AEW fan here because I'll be like, let's not do too much with Ray Phoenix because he's got a big match next week. Yeah. Like, so I'm like, look, if you're going to do some mad bumps, let Pack take that. Let yeah, 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 take yeah. that. Because Ray. Really want you to be a hundred percent Ray Phoenix. Was it Kyle O'Reilly's facing? Kyle O'Reilly. Oh yeah. my word! Should be glorious. So looking forward to that. But yeah, a win for Death Triangle. 
Greatly. Greatly. Let us know your thoughts ahead of AW Rampage tonight on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE. Uh, watch there, you can follow both of us. You can follow Michael Sidgwick at M. Sidgwick. Becoming All Elite, The Rise of AW is his brilliant book. It's available on Amazon right now. You can follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at WhatCultureWWE. And make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts. The SmackDown preview is already out uh, with some interesting booking decisions for Butch on there. That's all I'll say. Uh, and we'll be back later on today with... Uh, wrestle culture with a hashtag bloody good quiz of course and myself and Sid will be back on Monday to review AEW Rampage but for now this has been the AEW Rampage preview my thanks to Michael Sidgwick thank you for joining us and we will see you soon ACAST powers the world's best podcasts here's a show that we recommend The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.